Okay, uh, four or five seconds into the recording. I was a little slow. I could have started a second or two before. But I'm new at this, and I am a troglodyte, as I mentioned in previous posts, but not so much previous podcasts. Uh, I'm sitting in my office, looking out upon the backyard. I'm watching the geese wander around, look for food. And um, I'm watching the grass grow and the bamboo. Now, watching bamboo grow is not as boring as it sounds. Giant bouton can grow 12 inches in a day. If you're metric, about a third of a meter. So you can actually watch it grow if you want to, better than watching paint dry. But to get to the point, the atlas moth, we have uh, been in the Philippines on and off, mostly on, for, as I mentioned, about 25 years. And in that time, we have spent some of it in the city, about a year, maybe a year and a half. But the rest of the time we have spent in the country. Uh, on the side of a sleepy volcano, in a nice yard, which we have intentionally kept green and left some of it, um, for lack of a better term, wild. We've let the bamboo grow in the coconut trees, and there's a great big old fruit tree that's uh, growing back there. Gotta be. No, it's not fruit. It Well, it is. It's star apple. But you don't eat the fruit so much as they used to use the wood for building ships. Uh, incredibly strong, dense wood. It's in the backyard. Um, we left some wild so that the critters and what have you would have a place to stay. And partly because of that, every now and again, I have seen an atlas moth, and so is my lady. Now, atlas moths are arguably uh, the biggest moth species in the world. They grow nine inches across wingtip to wingtip, which if you're a person with average-sized hands, and you stretch out your thumb and your little finger as far as they go and measure it, that'll be close to nine inches, which is pretty close to what they can grow to. Now, the first time we saw one, it was in a fruit tree. And we went to look at it. Lo and behold, it fluttered. They don't fly very well. They flutter. F-L-U-T-T-E-R. Uh, small aside, in the pandemic, I have lost a front tooth. Uh, and I, of course, unable to go to a dentist to have a new one put in. So occasionally, I will speak with a bit of a lisp, L-I-S-P. It's amazing how necessary those front teeth are. But back to the moth. It fluttered out of the tree, landed on my thigh, and stayed there for five minutes or so. 
Well, my lady and myself got to look at it and admire it and have a small talk with it. Yes, I talked to animals. What can I tell you? Um, and then it flew off. I didn't have a camera at the time. Uh, later, the uh, municipality, for lack of a better word, it's what I grew up with, put in drainage canals uh, along the national provincial highway in front of our house, which is really just a dirt road. It was at the time anyway, but they put in these cement canals and they are basically a sharp angled U. They don't have, uh, they're a half a meter at the bottom. They go up a meter, they're cement walls, cement bottom. And there was some, uh, undergrowth that had started to grow in the in the canal and one day when i was uh walking cooper our doberman i looked in the canal and lo and behold there were a pair of mating atlas moths and i got some nice well i got some pictures how nice they are i'll leave for others to decide it was my fujifilm s4200 and I had to climb down into the canal, which at the time was not impossible, but it wasn't particularly easy. And I had to try to get some decent photographs while I was in there. Yeah, if I'd had a better camera, they would have been better photographs, but they're not bad. Later, I would find the picture that's on the blog. So go to the blog if you're finding this somewhere else there's a link to it with anchor they give you the link you'll see a beautiful picture of an atlas moth in our uh, front yard the space between our house and the canal in any case it's a couple meters deep at that point uh, not the canal our yard and it was sitting on a, a wire fence, which you can't really see, but it, it it's on the undergrowth. And I got a pretty good picture of it. A gorgeous creature. You will notice there are teardrop-like sections of the wing. And those are actually uh, clear sections, like a, a plexiglass insert for a, or a glass insert. And you can see through it so that uh, when they're sitting on a tree or on the bushes, the bush comes through and they are so nicely camouflaged, it's easy to miss them. Uh, later, I found one of their uh, cocoons that they had grown in. And their cocoons are so big that I believe it was the Chinese I uh, used to make purses out of them, silk purses, because they were nicely woven. And I guess all you, I don't know how they did it, but they could make purses out of these cocoons uh, from the Atlas butterfly, Atlas moth. Absolutely gorgeous. Now, we have been here, as I mentioned, on and off for 25 years. We've been in this location uh, 19 years. 19? Yeah, 19 years. And those are the only times that I've seen an atlas moth. 
I may have uh, captured a, a couple of shots of their um, caterpillar stage. They are big caterpillars. They're stretched out maybe five inches long. Uh, very beautiful. I'll post a couple of pictures of those later, undoubtedly, and tell a story or two there, I hope. But that's the story behind the Atlas Moth. We have, in the 19 years, those are the only times we've seen them here. And we have an environment they like. Um, uh, well, now I should mention that the one that I saw on the fence may have been the same one that I saw on our bamboo porch. It was sitting on one of the, the posts on the porch and I believe it was a female sending out its, um, oh, there's a fancy word for it, but sending out her scent. Uh, the, the atlas moth can smell a mate 15 miles away and try to get to her. Uh, they're incredible, marvelous, delicate, strong creatures. I'll look them up on the World Wide Web. It's one heck of a good library. Now, uh, how are we doing so far? <laughs> Almost 10 minutes for the Atlas Moth. Let me tell you about the longest running practical joke ever played on me. I was a lighthouse keeper, junior lighthouse keeper, uh, very hierarchical society there. Uh, on Ivory Island, now there was the point that the the little island that the lighthouse structures were built on, the senior's house, the junior's house, uh, workshop, garage, sort of an Eiffel Tower-like thing with a spinning light bulb on the top of it for the light. And at the very front of the island, uh, because in 1961, there was a massive earthquake in Alaska that caused a tsunami all down the uh, west coast of, of North America. I think at least as far as Vancouver from Alaska, all of the Canadian part of the coast anyway. And that tsunami deposited a two-ton boulder in the senior's living room when the wave hit which kind of annoyed and scared the senior keeper just a tad as you can imagine so they quickly built a cement bow on the island that would deflect any waves uh, and hopefully keep boulders from coming into the man's living room again or woman as the case may be but on that island you went from the main island you walk across a short bridge to the helicopter pad, which was on a very small island, um, about twice the size of the helicopter pad. And then there was another bridge that was built by the keepers rather than the government, which took you to uh, a pathway down the main island, which was, uh, oh, you could walk it comfortably in 10 minutes. But there was a boathouse out back and a little bay you could land your boat in and 
It was the get on, get off before helicopters showed up. And I would walk back there and you would see mink and uh, eagles and wolves on occasion, very, uh, very occasionally, only once in uh, the four years did we have a wolf that I knew of on the island. But wolves and deer would swim over from the mainland, which was only less than half a mile away. And they're good swimmers, so we'd see them on the island occasionally. Now, one day I go out back, and there's a little freshwater stream that in the rainy season runs down to the ocean from the middle of the island. And at that drinking hole, where I usually see mink, I see this feather. And it's stuck in the underbrush. It's not just lying on the ground. It's actually in a bush. And I pluck it out, and I thought, I wonder what that is. I've never seen anything like it. And I go back to uh, the front of the island, and I talk to Dave, the senior keeper. Dave Odlum, good man. Uh, and his wife, Gloria, I believe her name was. She was a good lady, too. Uh, they were nice people. They treated us well, and we got along well. And I asked David if he'd ever seen anything like that. And he said, no, never had. Where did I find it? And it turned, I told him, he said, whoa, wow. Very seriously and let it go. Now, I being the curious type I am, I sent a letter to the University of British Columbia. And I labeled it bird feather section, hoping it would get to the right people. And it turned out they wrote me back and they said it was an emu, E-M-U, feather, which is sort of a South American ostrich. Now, South America and Ivory Island are very far apart. Um, I'm closer to Alaska than I am South America at that point. But they tell me that uh, just a little while before I found the feather, a person who kept emus on Vancouver Island, look it up on a map, it's a big island on the, just offside of Vancouver City, on the, the top end of Vancouver Island, had lost an emu. And they thought that it uh, was a possibility that one of the tugs that had pulled into Port Hardy might have had an emu escape or climb onto whatever they were pulling behind with the tug, and it ca caught a lift and got off an ivory and then uh, either died or moved, walked to the mainland or swam, as the case may be. A possibility, they said. They, they weren't sure, but it, they knew it was an emu feather, but how it got there, that was one possibility. And I thought, gee, that's a pretty good story. So for the next three, three and a half years, whenever we had a work crew where the Crosby mission boat showed up or tourists showed up at the back of the island, I'd pull out the feather and tell a story. And Dave would just sit there and go, mm-hmm, he found it, no doubt about it. He's telling you the truth. And uh, that went on, as I say, for three or so years. 
And then Dave got a transfer uh, down south to another light. And on the day he was leaving, he said, Brian. I said, yeah. He says, I got to tell you now, that feather came from my wife, Dustin Mop. I put it back there just to see what would happen. And I said, Dave, you're kidding me. He said, no, not now. I'm not, but I was then. And I never laughed so hard in my life. It was marvelous. He was a quiet man. He was almost what you'd call a dour man. Uh, not sour, dour. Didn't smile a lot, but pleasant, nice man. And I never dreamed he had such a superb sense of humor and the ability to keep it going for three years without once giving a hint. I've never had a better joke played on me in my life. Nothing harmful, not mean, not nasty. And it, it gave pleasure to many people and it loved, gave pleasure to my family at the time because we got to tell this great story. And uh, that was Ivory Allen and part of what went on there. That was a marvelous time in my life. I met the Crosby, uh, which was a mission boat, which was to play a incredible role in my future. I didn't know it at the time when I first met him. I was not even sure I was going to let him in my house, but that's another story for another time. This has probably gone on long enough, darn near 20 minutes. So uh, that's it for today. Enjoy the Atlas Moth Fisher picture. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the story about the emu feather. There's more of that to come in my podcast. So I hope you like them. If you do, pop into the to the uh, written part of this blog. It's WordPress. Uh, I'm not selling anything on it. It's just more of this. You'll see the picture um, of the Atlas Moth. And it's worth a picture of that, if nothing else. Uh, it's uh, all of my, my uh, animal shots, uh, caterpillar, moths, birds, uh, turtles, chameleons, uh, various flying lizards and what have you that will show up are all live. They're not captured animals. Uh, well, except one who was in our uh, goose cage. And after I took the picture, kind of an interesting picture, I'll find it and post it. I did take them when I put on my a glove on my hand. I grabbed this lizard, chameleon lizard, grabbed them from behind and I put them outside, but be, you know, that's as close as we come to a captured animal. The rest are all wild shots taken in the garden. Uh, except for the one of the moth on my uh, computer keyboard, but as I say, another story for another time. So um, stay smart, stay safe, wear a mask. We all got to do it because the COVID isn't going anywhere. Bye-bye for now.